What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court for today, Friday, December 1st, 2023. I am one of your hosts, Sean Murphy, alongside the man, the myth, the legend, the Marquette Heat, coming from that beautiful seat, bringing his presence, the man, the myth, the legend, Troy. What's going on, my man? It's good to see you. Yeah, not a whole lot. That was kind of a long pause there, Sean. But uh, hey, you uh, didn't like the little. Else hey. is a... <laughs> you know, you yeah. don't like that. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke. You know what else is a long pause? The Detroit Pistons without a win. That's a long pause. Yeah, man. That is uh that that is that that is a hell of a delay between yes. b- between those those instances. I saw a graphic earlier today and you know it's kind of a joke that you know like that people have made of are the lions going to end up with more wins than than the pistons this mm. this year and in the calendar year of 2023 troy the lions have 10 wins yeah the pistons right. have nine yeah it's uh, i want to vomit yeah yeah we you want to vomit per- too, Sean? Well, I mean, you know, it's 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 not that it's not that I want to vomit. It's that it's it's in a it, you know it, it's not a secret that the Pistons are in a really tough situation, right? You know, like if you somehow been living under a rock, uh, the Pistons are you know like they're on a sixteen game losing streak, which is the or or fifteen game losing streak, which is the longest in franchise you know like the longest single season losing streak in franchise history their longest losing streak in franchise history happened over the course of two seasons um so it's one of those things where you know like when when you break that record and it's so early into the season it's just one of those things where you know like you know you can't help but feel like a little discouraged you know like in in that element but on on top of that i think the biggest thing you know, like the the like one of the scariest things that can happen in a rebuild, because, again, try, I don't I don't want to you know, I don't want to say anything definitive. I don't want to come out, you know, like if anyone's expecting this to just be like a bashing podcast, like, you know, that's just not who we are. Right. Like, you know, like we we can accept reality that it's mm-hmm. bad. Correct. But I think this is I think we're far more like trying to be constructive about it than trying to tear anybody down. Right. Yeah. We're correct, 100% correct, but I do think it would be fair to our fans and for you and I to think of, think of, because we're not Troy Weaver, but just think of some practical things. Oh, of course, 100%. Organization organization and coaching Monty Williams can do, so. Yeah, 100%, and and I think, listen, you know, the, you know, the, like, with this roster, the Pistons are trying to figure out, like, a lot of different things, you know, like, obviously, the rotation is something that's, you know, like, still being you know, toyed with and things like that. But, you know, like ultimately, you know, like it, it's kind of coming down to the point where I think you can rotate, you know, like whatever you want, like with this current roster, you know, like unless Boyan comes in and, you know, like adds a jolt in the arm to this team that, you know, like that they've just like desperately needed. I just firmly believe that, you know, like this team is at some point, you know, especially towards the December 15th deadline, Mm-hmm. I think they are going to have to start considering a change because once yeah. you start getting, you know, like all of these different players in, you know, like in your locker room, no longer, you know, like believing that, you know, like that you can win. And when that hope factor, 
isn't there and you know like the the losing streak has the you know has the potential to stack it's like one of those things where i don't think you know i i don't think detroit has the wrong coach on the bench you know like you can say you know you can certainly say monty hasn't you know done the greatest job at this point but he also has hasn't had the greatest cards but mm-hmm. uh, troy as you've kept watching you know as you've kept tuning in how have your thoughts changed where are you at right now and what sort of changes do you want to see happen yeah i guess what i've seen is the talent just isn't there. Not to say we don't have talent on our team. We absolutely have talent on our team. But the talent to compete in this NBA is not present, yep. uh, unfortunately. Um, I have seen effort. I really have, believe mm-hmm. it or not. However, I've seen a lot of lackadaisical defense, more specifically in the paint. Um, I haven't read, read up on a lot of stats in the paint, but I, I, I watched a lot of the Lakers game yesterday. And, um, you know, of course, I watched uh, a few games before that uh, Cleveland game mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm forgetting who else I've tortured myself seeing the Pacers game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it, it just seemed like buckets came in the paint too easily from their opponent. And uh, I know Jalen Duran, you know, was coming still back from missing a few games. And um, I know. We don't have, I guess, I guess an elite big beyond him. I mean, I, we know Beef Stew's a great, a great. He's guy. our, he's our biggest interior presence. He's, he's the guy we rely on in the post. Right, for sure. right, right. But I guess where I'm getting at, we don't have a Joker. We don't have an Anthony Davis, even right. And uh, I just think that I don't know. I, I feel like effort in the paint. Effort is good overall, but effort in the paint uh, lacks a daysical defense, Sean. Uh, it, it's way too easy buckets I've seen on the defensive end. And with Imani Williams, I wanted a little more out of him because I tell you, you know he's a defensive-minded coach. I, I just – I want to see it translate. <laughs> well, and, and again, you know, like it's like one of those things where, you know, like I – you know, like I, I, this is one of those moments and, and I think even people were like, you know, like starting to post last night like that they that they were starting to you know wanted to apologize to Dwayne Casey and this is where I bring up this you know this is exactly where I bring up is coaching maybe perhaps not the entire part of the equation of why a team wins or loses games are you telling me that Dwayne Casey maybe wasn't the problem like we are all telling you he wasn't for months on months on months now what isn't that insane you know all of that aside you know like I I definitely you know like I I definitely agree with you in the sense of you know like Monty does have to, you know, try try to find a way to, you know, like really, you know, like galvanize, you know, like the 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 troops for a lack of better terms and keep these guys mentally in the, you know, in the fight, so to speak, because, you know, like when you are, you know, losing as much as you have, it's tough. But on top of that, you know, it's like the the biggest thing, especially for, you know, like for this team is like they got to, you know, they got to figure out how they can consistently compete over 48 minutes. I think the biggest thing that I, you know, that like I take away from, you know, just from this Pistons team, just from watching them this season, it's not even like they don't have moments. They have moments, but they need to turn those moments into minutes on the court. They need to turn those minutes into quarters. They need to turn those quarters into games. Like they, they can have like one or two stretches or one or two good plays where it's like, man, this team, like the talent is, is, is very clear, but in the same light, you know, like when they, 
like when they're down as you know when they're down as much as they are when you know this team struggles from shooting from beyond the arc as much as they do like that that's really if if you're looking at what's killing this team troy we've talked about the spacing being something they need to figure out i mean the spacing's been an albatross i mean like the other night against the wizards they shot like seven of 39 from beyond the arc tonight in the you know tonight in the Knicks game which is still you know in the first quarter or in the second quarter pardon me they're three of 11 from beyond the arc i mean it's just straight up to the point where like monty said you know, like like in, in the post game presser against the Lakers as a recording last night, we need to find guys who can hit shots. Yeah, right, right, and, right. And yeah, and I, I was optimistic, I guess, and still kind of am with a guy like Joe Harris, right? To to give mm-hmm. you that, and then obviously we know we've been missing Bowie on with with that. But you look at some of these other teams, and it just seems like some of these other teams have resources in their second unit who can contribute on the making shots element of the game. I think of even in Atlanta with the DeAndre Hunter and uh, Bogdan Bagdanovich, um, yep. you know, there's so many others too. Uh, that, even, that even look at Orlando, the team that's yeah. second in the East right now, that's won like nine games in a row. Like when you tune into like, or like I was tuning into Orlando like earlier today and it's like, all right, well, like what's the, like what's the secret behind their success because obviously they have a lot of you know they have a lot of young talent really dynamic you know offensive talent which i think you know like obviously i think that's going to be like what people gravitate and focus towards because of course you know like that's going to be you know like the the thing that that flashes off the screen but in my opinion like if you look at orlando like part of what makes them really good is that they have a lot of veterans they bring off their bench they have guys Mm -hmm. like gary harris who can stretch the floor and can be a general for them. You have a guy in, in Joe Ingles who, you know, like he he's older now. He's definitely not the same player he used to be, but to have a guy who's essentially like a coach that you can bring off your bench, yeah. who's as smart as he is, who can handle the ball, who can, you know, he's not a defensive powerhouse, but he can certainly hold his own. But then even, even Mo Wagner, you know, deeper on the bench, he's been in the league for like five to six years. Like the Pistons, like from top to down, it's just a ton of 21, 22, and 24 year olds. And that's kind of, you know, like when we talk about what does this team need to do, you know, like in order to, like, you know, like to, like in order to, like, really take the next step, like what type of moves do they need to make? Like they need some adults in the room and like they need it in, in like they just, they need it yesterday, you know? And, and, right. and obviously teams like Houston, uh, you know, like t- teams who, you know, kind of had uh, even like Indiana, like they, you know, like they had their cap space and, you know, they made the choice to, you know, go out and, and fill it with guys like Dylan Brooks and, you know, like Fred Van Vliet and, and Bruce Brown and guys that, you know, obviously we would all have, you know, like there, there were some certain guys that, you know, we would have loved to see in Pistons uniforms, but in the same light, I mean, even if the, you know, even if the Pistons had Cam Johnson right now, do like, do we have what, like four wins, five, like, like three wins, like, does that make this team drastically better? Right. Yeah. I, I see what you're getting at, but I, you know, what I'm hearing from you of, you know, needing guys, mm-hmm. the trade market is really our only option at this point. Yep. Um, and, and even obviously then, I don't, and, I don't really know. Well, and even then, and, and the reason why you haven't seen, you know, like much, you know, like much noise yet and, and why I, I think you're not going to probably hear much noise for the next couple of weeks is because Troy, the date that people need to look out for as far as for trades and for when the trade season really just starts as a whole is December 15th. 
And the reason why that date's important is on December 15th, all players who have been signed to contracts this previous offseason will now be eligible to be in trade discussions. And, you know, like you would be surprised how many guys throughout the league get signed deals for the purpose of being a trade asset or something that they can move, you know, like, like closer towards the deadline. So I definitely think that the conversations are going to only intensify as the, you know, like as we get closer to that date, but you know, like ultimately, you know, like I think the biggest thing that people are forgetting in this whole equation too. And again, like this isn't here to make excuses. This is just the reality of it. We talked about, you know, like whether or not Cade missing as much time as he did was going to have an effect. It's having an effect, you know, like as well as he's playing as, you know, like as, as much as, you know, like as much as Cade's doing at given points, because I still think Cade's a really damn good player and you can build a good team around him. But in the same light, you're seeing some of that rust. You're seeing the cobwebs for a lack of, for, excuse me, for a lack of better terms. And, you know, like I, I think you have to acknowledge, like, especially when you're missing guys like Bojan, Joe Harris, Monte Morris, who was supposed to bring so much you know, with Cade in the backcourt to be able to like, you know, limit the turnovers and set things up for him on, on, you know, on the offensive end of the ball, like those things have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you haven't played basketball in the long period that he did more specifically NBA basketball from the stretch that Cade missed last year. It's not as easy as an adjustment as it is to come back in high school or even college, right? I mean, it, it, this is truly the best players in the world who you have to struggle with, learn how to score against. I mean, it's it's an, it's a bigger adjustment than I feel like us Pistons fans are ready to admit. And I'm glad you did admit that. Well, because, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, because like he's out on the court with a ton of 21, 22, 23-year-olds and, you know, he's expected to go out and make it all happen. No wonder the turnover issue is what it is you know like mm-hmm. especially when like one of his you know like the the second like the the guy who's the second in 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 shot attempts on this team asara thompson is 15 percent from beyond the arc it's awesome as he's played this year when your second leading sh- you know shot attempt guy is a rookie who's you know who don't get me wrong looks to be a generational one at that he isn't generational offensively at least not yet and so, like, no wonder the team's struggling as much as it is. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, why is it as bad as it is? Oh, context. That makes sense, right? Now, obviously, you know, like, people on the internet are like, Boyan, like, you really think Boyan's going to come back and save this? No. I don't think anyone, you know, at this point, like, watching this team lose as many games as it has or go through as much as it has, I don't think anyone believes that Boyan just comes in and suddenly this is a, this is an amazing team. But Troy, a 20 point a game, 50, 40, 90 candidate. Are you telling me that that doesn't help this team right now? Right, right. It brings immediate, much needed, immediate offensive presence. Um, I, I'm still a little worried about the defensive end. Those were questions last year. But right now, buckets. We have a Sar Thompson. We didn't have a Sar Thompson last year, right? We have well, and well, and the other thing too is when you're, you know, like when when you're when you're twentieth in in both offense and defense, and you know that's kind of the identity of what your team's, you know, trying to do. I I wholeheartedly agree that you look at it and you know you wonder what it's going to look like with him consistently on the court. However, with how important that skill set of shooting is to this team right now, like 
you almost take that small liability on the court and and you right. do your damnedest to to play around it because and like, that's it, my point with with yeah. Asar is that we didn't have him last year. He can overcompensate on the defensive end. We need a guy mm-hmm. that can overcompensate on the offensive end. His name is Boyan. So uh, we can expect some good scoring stretches. If he if he's the same guy we we saw last year, that is, um, mm-hmm. which I would have no reason to believe he's not. Uh, yeah, but we, we need that same Boyan from last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a guy who's been playing really well uh, since coming back in the lineup is Isaiah Livers. You know, like oh, I yeah. think, I think he's, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, he, he hasn't been shooting at the, like shooting the ball, the greatest each and every single night, but that's, you know, that's something, you know, especially for a guy who just has made his season, season debut, like last week, that's something that you give him time and allow him the, you know, the, the grace to try and, and, and get that back over time. But Troy, let's talk about like, you know, as far as, you know, like players that you would want to see like the the Pistons trade for like do you think like you know like I obviously I think they're in a point where they can just take whatever type of older talent that they can get do you think like you know like would you would you want to see the Pistons maybe be a little bit more aggressive and go get an OG and an OB type would you you know like do you think the uh, would you be open to seeing a Jeremy Grant reunion of some form with how well he's been playing in Portland or do you even think something just you know like going to get a guy you know, like an Alex Caruso type where he's a, where he's an overall like, like role player, even maybe even, you know, like someone like a Moses Moody, Andrew Wiggins, you know, like someone like that. What, what are your, what are your thoughts? Are there players that you watch around the, I mean, I, of course there's players you would love to have throughout this league, yeah. but what type, what type of players, like if you were to describe, describe the archetype, right. what do you want on this team? The archetype is Jeremy Grant himself. Um, a guy that can go out there get buckets play hard defense can score the ball at will uh knows the game of basketball uh, able to be a first second third or fourth option on the team and know that he can do all of those options well i think jeremy grant's a guy who at least when i saw him in detroit didn't really have an ego that was mm-hmm. that, that you would be worried about playing with these young guys and be worried about with Amani Williams to coach. To me, Jeremy Grant's kind of the perfect one. Now, the, the million dollar question what would we have to give up to get him? Um, but I like OG Ananobi too, but Grant's more of the special guy. I I don't think if we're going to make a move now, even, even before February at the deadline, to me, it has to be somewhat of a splash. Uh, it can be a minor splash, and I would I would still call Jeremy Grant a minor splash. But to me, uh, Alex Caruso, great player, even a Wiggins or a Moody, that's just sticking your foot in the water and making a little splash. Uh, that that you know that's that's not I think the move that the Pistons need to make. Sure, those guys could help, but I feel like we if we want to turn the circle quickly, and we want it to be quickly. Um, it has to be one of those guys to come in. Uh, but I, I but so but I also think, in fairness, though, you don't want. I, I think there there is a balance to it. In the other hand, though, because you know the last thing you want to do is is put yourself in the exact same position that you were in a few years ago when you went right. and got Blake Griffin and go and went and made the panic trade. But I don't think Jeremy Grant's Blake Griffin. I would say Zach Levine would be on that scale, and that's why Zach Levine was not a name I even remotely dropped for sure. Um, but yeah, to your point, that's still true. But I still don't think Ananobi or Grant leads us in that um, leaning, what you were just describing. 
But my argument, I, I, I guess my argument, you know, like, I guess for, you know, like the rationale behind, you know, like just making even, you know, like some form of, of like, you know, like minor, like minor trade, I guess, if you want to call it, you know, even though trades are, you know, in, in, in any form, especially for a young team are going to be pretty significant at this point, but nonetheless, even just getting some different pieces and different guys that you can bring off the bench or different looks that you can throw in the starting lineup. Like, you know, like if, if this team, you know, like had, had two or three more like, like legitimate shooting threats, almost like, you know, all the guys who are currently out on injury, <laughs> like they would look, you know, like they, they, they would be that much more of a threat like that. It would open up, you know, like that much more, you know, like for them on the offensive side of the ball. So you know, I, I certainly think that, you know, like by the, you know, I, I certainly think that that is a move that they could even make that they could make, you know, even by the deadline as well. And, you know, like, I, I think the biggest thing is Troy has, has taken up, you know, like, oh, you know, this time to really not only accrue assets, but on top of that, set, help set up the salary cap and set up the books to where you have flexibility. And I would argue, like you said, you know, like we, in, 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 in this has just been true over, like over the last few years. We talk a lot about free agency, but a lot of the moves of acquiring like, you know, like like salary cap, especially for small market teams, that doesn't happen in free agency, Troy. That happens through trades. That happens yeah. through acquiring guys because guys aren't hitting the free market nearly as much as they used to. I mean, Correct. look at Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, uh, freaking Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell. Look, look at all these guys who, who are just getting moved before that's even a discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would say with this core, though, too, um, and I would say the three guys we want to build around would be Kay, Duran, and Asar. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, as much as you love some of those other guys, you might have to be willing to part ways with one of those guys. Well, yeah, right? you're going to have to. Yeah. Like, that's right. not a right. If to go out right, and get right. someone, you will. Right, right, right. So what I'm saying is, but even comparing this to 2018, early 2018, late 2017, when you made that Blake Griffin trade, I don't think the Pistons were in a spot when they had Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley and Reggie Jackson and Drummond, where you would look at any of those guys and say, okay, this guy is the future of our franchise. They were all kind of tradable asset pieces to a degree where you wanted to bring in the star. We made that decision for Blake Griffin. We brought him in. But for here, we don't really have um, – we do have guys who are, I think, stable parts of our future where it becomes um, – easier to move on from some of the guys who are not a part of that core uh but also puts us in a, again a place where i don't think we would nor could make us this uh, an exact same mistake of trading for a blake griffin type of player you know what i'm saying i i i do but you could still definitely make a mistake <laughs> I, I i think ultimately you know like again like th- this is why i in my opinion you know, like I, I know people are talking about Troy Weaver on the hot seat. This is why, you know, like on the video I released earlier this week, like the, in my opinion, this will be like the defining, you know, like decisions of Troy Weaver's tenure is because, you know, like, you know, like a, a lot of GMs can, you know, like can, can acquire young talent, you know, like go like and, and draft well. And that's, that's, that was his most important, you know, part of the job. And I would say for the most part, I would say that he's done pretty well, you know, like with drafting, but now it's, it's again, it's, how do you take this talent that you've drafted and how do you turn it into a complete roster? How do you take those pieces and how do you turn it into something that, you know, in, instead of, you know, being, 
you know, like it, like like something that you can evaluate and something that you can like tool around. How does it? How is it instead of you know? How is it instead something that you can complement? You know what I mean? Like I think with like with what Tom Gore said earlier this season of we're not rebuilding, we're building. I would agree in the sense of we've done a lot of acquiring young talent, but now how do you actually build around those guys? Like how do we actually start building around Kate Cunningham? Because right now like, this isn't going to be the roster. Like these aren't going to be the guys, like, especially if it keeps heading in this direction, you yeah. know? So, so yeah. you know, yeah, I see your point. I see your point. Um, but I, I guess I just, I just see, I, I just have more faith that we're not going to make a dumb decision. I have, I, more, I have more faith. We're going to make the right decision than dumb decision. I have faith as well, but you know, like, again, like this is, you know, like, you know, like this is going, in my opinion, like this is going to be the, you know, the thing that people ultimately, you know, like trust Troy Weaver on. And it's like, listen, like, you know, like we, we certainly trust in Troy Weaver and like the, the things that he's done so far, but it's like, you can understand, you know, like why fans have a hard time doing so just with the, you know, the amount of losses over the last calendar year, you know, like in particular, but ultimately I think like the, the, the counter to that is if the Pistons were to bring in, you know, like new people in the front office tomorrow, you know, like how would that not just set them back to ground zero and make exactly. this make this whole thing, you know, last even longer? Especially That's not an option, in my opinion. It's just not. same same here. Especially when you talk about you know, like a coach in Monty Williams who, in part, came to Detroit because of his faith in Troy Weaver. When when you talk about the fact, and again, people seem to not remember that Troy Weaver, you know, has an extension that I don't even think has started yet. You know, because, you know, they, they love the the talent that he's accrued. So it's just one of those things where, you know, like at the very least, I still think he has another season. Uh, but, you know, like ultimately the, you know, again, I know it will be hard for fans, you know, like, it, like, because there is a likelihood that you look, you know, that, that at the end of the season, we will see an entire calendar month. We will, we will essentially still see an entire calendar month without a win, but there's a legitimate chance all of November can just be all else and it's like you can understand why fans are feeling discouraged or not feeling you know hopeful at that point but again you know like i think the things that you know like for perspective is in these three or four even even in these last two years troy i you could still make the argument just the last two seasons alone troy weaver has acquired more talent through the draft than the pistons did in the last 20 combined and that's not even yeah. counting that's not even counting Cade. right yeah, I have nothing else to add to that. That's 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 fact. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I guess that kind of, I guess that kind of, you know, translates pretty well into the next part of the discussion because I think the natural next question and the natural next thing that you do when you're looking at a rebuilding team is, well, this isn't happening for my team. Why is it happening for the others? Why is this happening for the Indiana Pacers of the world? Why is this happening? for the Houston Rockets of the world. Why is this happening to the Orlando Magic of the world, who started around the same time, if not just about after us in our rebuild? Why are they ahead? And Troy, I think it comes down to a couple things. And again, people are not going to want to hear them. Number one, how much time Kate has missed and how much of an effect that has had is something that we are just now seeing the effects of. But the second and, and most important thing to these teams' success, if you've tuned in, 
I kind of alluded to this earlier a little bit with Orlando, how much important, how important it's been for these teams to have grown men in the room. We talked a little bit about Orlando and, you know, just like how like Mo Wagner, which by the way, he's been playing really well off the bench for, for Orlando this year. Like he's, he's quietly become one of the best backup bigs in the league. If you look at like the way that he's been playing, which absolutely, I always thought with his skill set that that was something that was possible from him, but to see it happen in real time has been really cool. But also you look at a team like Houston and, and listen, you and I were, were part of that crowd that was pretty critical of, of, of Dylan Brooks. And, you know, like we're, we're pretty adamant about not wanting him in, you know, in Detroit, but I mean, Troy, there, the reason why the Houston Rockets came out the gate in our top 10 team defensively and are a top 15 team offensively, Dylan Brooks is playing a big role in that. But also, you know what else all these teams had too, Troy with their young stars, what? one word continuity these guys have 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 been able to play together have gone through the lumps together haven't missed significant time due to injury guys like you know like Alper and Sengun are taking those leaps because they they're because they're getting those reps under right. their life. chemistry is another yep. word for that yes. yep exactly and you look at this you look at this team you know like you look at these pistons you look at this pistons team and realistically who has Cade played with the most out of all these guys? Marvin Bagley is probably the guy who he has the most time on the court with. Him and Isaiah Stewart, you know, maybe, you know, like maybe Killian. But otherwise, like throughout this roster, like they're still learning to play together. And like yeah. you, you can you can see like you, you can just see all the, the hardships and the lumps that they're going through in real time. Yeah, and that certainly makes it difficult. I mean, you need to know how to connect with your teammates and set them up to score, but also they need to do the same with you. Uh, it adds an interesting dynamic. And I mean, the coaching adjustment has to be different too. I mean, we, yes, we trust, at least I trust in money, uh, but the coaching philosophy between him and Dwayne Casey, yeah, learning a new system. Another thing that we have, and yes, like Houston had to do that now too. Um, mm -hmm. Houston's definitely had to do that, but I think, yeah, yeah, but I think, but I think with Houston, like where like the benefit comes in of when you bring in a guy like, like Ime Odoka, I think it was the type of change that it was that, that the head coaching role was for Houston because in Detroit, the reason why Dwayne Casey wasn't fired and he was like allowed to like leave on his own accord is because Detroit didn't have a coaching problem. They, you know, they, they might've needed a coaching change. They might've needed to head in a, you know, like in a different direction, but it wasn't because of the coach they had in the seat. They had an adult they had, and, and like they, like culturally they had everything in house that they already wanted. They brought in, you know, they brought in Monty to build upon that. Whereas, you know, like with respect to, you know, like, you know, now Pistons assistant coach, Steven Silas, when Ime Odoka came to Houston, he had to set like, like set the culture from day one. He had to, you know, like he had to like, like really do his best to like, both build off of what was already happening. But on top of that, like he had to step back and say, all right, we have to, we have to like change everything. Like we have to be about more as a team. Right. You know? right. And I do think Monty Williams is about the more. 
I mean, he is about he is. he is about the physical side of things, the defensive schemes. He's a thinker. He he, he knows the right thing. So we, we, we have that going for us. But anything that's going for us that seems to be in vain when you don't win an entire month. Right. Right. I mean, people are not going to want to look. I mean, people aren't going to want to look at the, you know, like the development or like the, like the so close yet so far, the moral victories, like it's teams beyond that. You know what I mean? Especially when you know, like you do have other teams and I mean like Troy, you know, I obviously I'm not sure how much you've been able to watch Houston or, or, you know, like Orlando, but one team you've definitely been able to watch a good amount of is the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, like when, when you talk about like what they do well, you know, like, and, and, and why they're winning as much as they are, like ultimately, like, and this is where you talk about like, you know, like with Troy Weaver about like really taking those, you know, necessary steps to make, you know, like to make Cade, you know, like get as many opportunities as he can. I think one of the big reasons why Tyrese Halliburton is, is flourishing is he has this awesome roster around him. And like for like a playmaker, Troy, it looks like he's a kid in a candy store. Like they're yeah. the number one offense in NBA history through like right. the he, first two months. He can get buckets at will, but also he can set his teammates up by the three ball. Um, and, but he also has assets. He has a guy like Buddy Heald that can get him buckets. And even yep. a guy like Lee Smith is playing okay. And uh, Obi Toppin and Miles is Miles. Bruce Brown is, Bruce is, Brown is Bruce become Brown. really reliable on both very, ends of the court. Very reliable on both ends. So, yeah, they're in a good position. But also they have a guy. I mean, yes, we know Cade's the guy. But they have a guy who's well-developed in his fourth season. Hasn't really missed any significant time. Um it, it shows. But here's shows. another thing too, Troy. Look at some of the ages of these guys who are regularly getting minutes, you yeah. know, like in the Indian, like people, like, like, like people look at the, the Pacers, like, man, this is a young team. They are. But when you start comparing the ages very quickly to Detroit, this sounds like a freaking retirement home group in comparison. Cause like yeah. Iris Albert, I mean, he's 23, but Bruce Brown, 27, Miles Turner, 27, Buddy Heald, believe it or not, Troy, Buddy Heald is 31. Yeah. Like he was a senior in college when I was a senior in high school. He was getting buckets for uh Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, even guys like Andrew Nemhard and, and Aaron Neesmith are are 24. Like even they like like have come into the league, you know, like with a decent amount of like experience in in perspective, right? Like like Jairus Walker's 20 years old. That was their sixth pick. You know, like right. if, if he, he was in Detroit, court time. He can't if he was in Detroit, time. he he would have played, you know, like he would he would he would be playing like 30 plus minutes a game. Troy, since we last talked about Jairus Walker, he's still he he hasn't gotten back on the court. Right, right. He's he's a D- G League player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and again, a big reason why is because they have veterans and they have guys that they can lean on. Right. And so, right. you know, like that that's why, you know, again, like you look at those teams and, and you look at where Detroit is, it's like it just to me, it really just simply comes down to they need adults on the court and they need them now. You know, and, and I think that's going to be that's going to be the big piece. Now, looking at now, looking throughout like the rest of the league, looking at everything that's gone down, Troy, we're actually the in-season tournament bracket is set. And I would be remiss if we didn't at least talk about that a little bit before, you know, like we started to head towards wrapping up the pod in the Western Conference, in the Eastern Conference, the corner final matchups are both set in the in the East. 
we're actually getting in the first round, we're getting Bucks Knicks on Tuesday. And then on Monday, we're actually getting Pacers Celtics. Tyrese Halliburton and those Indiana Pacers will get to play on TNT for the first time. And they get to do so in Boston. How fun of a game is that going to be? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yep. And then on the and then on the Western Conference side, Troy, when you talk about how lucky we got, you know, like with the matchups over there, listen to these. In the West quarterfinals, we're getting in the first round, Troy, Lakers, Suns. And then the and then the two three matchup is Kings, Pelicans. Troy, you look at you look at this you look at this tournament bracket from from top to down, and even though you could like make the argument that that the league might have wanted a couple of different teams in there over a couple other teams, this is a perfect scenario for the NBA when you talk about the end season tournament because right. look at the balance that you have of 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 established stars in LeBron, yeah. Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. You even have guys, you know, you have guys like Giannis, you have Damian Lillard, you even have the, you even have like the Knicks who, you know, is just like such like a huge brand in the game of basketball. But Troy, in the same light, just as there's, you know, just as many, you know, established stars in this tournament, there's also just as many young up and coming stars. You have yeah. De'Aaron Fox who won the clutch award in the league last year. Right. You have Zion Williamson, who's a human highlight reel every time he steps on the court and is playing at a really high level over the last couple of weeks. But then, man, you talk about the the Pacers, how fun this team is. Their first Tyrese Halliburton's first ever game on TNT. I mean, Troy, we talked about how, you know, how great this tournament could potentially be. We also talked about how weary we were. Is it time to say that that Adam Sil Silver hit a grand slam? Did he hit a home run? Yeah, I think he did. And I think the, the biggest thing is is what you literally just talked about is the matchups. Because we as NBA fans, we like the individual talent and we like the storylines a lot more than, per se, an average March Madness fan who loves the teams and the upsets and stuff, right? I mean, we want to see stars go be stars against stars. Yep. And uh, I think that is what this brings out the most. Because everything you just talked about, sure, you mentioned the teams, but you talked about the players on the teams, the players who are having emerging seasons and then getting matched up with other players who are having similar seasons. Uh, and to me, that's what it's all about. It's all about seeing the best players in the world. That's why I prefer the NBA over college. Yep. I love the game of basketball, but I love the NBA more because this is the best players in the world. These are the best human beings that breathe the same air as you and I in, going out there and playing basketball. In every single matchup, throughout the league nowadays there are two players going up against each other that are intriguing to watch even in in in, in the greatest thing about the in-season tournament in, in my in my opinion is you're getting people talking about bulls celtics in november you're getting people invested in raptors knicks games you're getting people talking about the finish of thunder warriors games in november in october yeah. Like the, the, the beginning of the regular season has never felt this relevant. And Troy, we haven't even seen the good part of the in-season tournament yet. Oh, right. like this next weekend, the first, you know, the first weekend of, you know, of, of the calendar year thus far, you know, like over the last few months without college football. So after all the, you know, like all the, 
the the conference championship games finish up this weekend. Next weekend, those matchups, the the semifinals and the finals, those go down in Vegas. So this time next week, Troy, we're going to be getting some consequential neutral site basketball from freaking Las Vegas against some of these teams. We I mean, we could potentially see a Lakers Celtics in-season tournament finals for yeah. the very for the very first in-season tournament. Could you imagine how huge that would be? That would be gigantic. I mean, casuals on both sides would watch. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's casual Celtics fans and there's a lot of casual Lakers fans and they would be fighting to the death. And then the the diehard fans of both teams would be more excited. Yeah, there's there's so much there that has potential to grow and um with the league getting deeper uh, with the talents that we have, players, rookies like Wimby are only going to get better. Yeah. Um, some of these guys like Luca to say that like Luca is in his prime would be a joke. Um, you know, guys like him, the guys like Shea, SGA. Yeah. Would you say he's in his prime right now? No, I think that's in a couple years, right? Dude, so, that's I mean, what's so that's much. what's scary, dude. Is you keep <laughs> talking about all the even a guy like dude. Even Chet Holmgren, what yeah. he's doing right now, he's not even sniffing the letter P in prime. He's yeah. in his rookie year. <laughs> like yeah, he's just right. getting started. And even a guy like Tatum, I feel like, has some even better years ahead. Yeah. Even, even though he's only 24, 25. So. I feel like Jason Tatum could, genu- could genuinely play for another 20 years if he wanted to. Like, like, with the, like with the way that modern medicine keeps evolving, by the time he's in his 30s, can you imagine what he's going to have access to? I don't know if I'd go another 20, but I could see him playing a 20-year career for sure. <laughs> I, you might think I'm crazy, Troy. I, I, if he wanted to, I think he could play another twenty. I, I, I legitimately could. That's how, like, okay. that, that's how you crazy believe, I think. You believe in Tatum, yeah. I mean, he's a hell of an athlete, man. The dude can play. But I mean, like, obviously, it would have been cool to see the 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 Pistons be more competitive, you know, in the in season tournament. It's unfortunate that their losing streak took hap, you know, took place in the midst of the of the in season tournament, but. You know, it, it is what it is. The the one last thing, you know, with regards to tournament that I wanted to talk to you about. Have you heard about all this conversation regarding the, the point differential within the tournament? Have you heard about what's been going on because of that? I guess I have not, Sean. So um, it was really interesting on uh, on Tuesday, Troy, because this was when this was when the in-season tournament was starting to wrap up. And because of that, you had teams that were you know, that were going at it through all four quarters. And you had teams like the Celtics who in their last two in-season tournament games, you look at the scores, they went and absolutely, you know, like they went and absolutely blew out the, the, the Bulls and the Raptors. The reason why they did that, Troy, was because in order to make it into the tournament, they had to meet a certain point differential. If, you, if you're not aware, the way that they did the tiebreakers in this tournament was by point differential in each game. And so... In the fourth quarter, uh, you know, the other night, as the Celtics are already up by almost 30 against the against the Chicago Bulls, the Celtics start sending Andre Drummond to the free throw line. They do hack a Drummond in the fourth quarter as the Bulls are down by almost 30. It's so egregious that Joe Missoula during the game 
literally has to walk over to Billy Donovan and be like, Hey, this is for the in-season tournament. Like this is like, we're, we're not trying to like, we're not trying to beat the crap out of you guys. This is solely so we can get in the in-season tournament. Like he literally had to go up and say that to him like during the game. And there's been a lot of, there's been like, even like DeMar DeRozan, like he, like, I believe it was last week. I believe he got, I, I believe he got ejected from a game for, uh, for being upset. And, and funny enough, he was playing against the Raptors, yeah. uh, like, because they were, you know, like trying to like push the score to try and get in the in-season tournament, even though they were already eliminated by that point. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. But when you're eliminated, you play to keep other teams out. That's right. Kind of and, and obviously that's kind of sparked, you know, like it's kind of gotten back to the, you know, to a conversation that we have about the unwritten rules of the game. And, you know, like, obviously I, I empathize or, uh, you know, like for, for teams, you know, like, 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 you know, like Chicago and you feel bad for a guy like Andre Drummond, who's getting intentionally fouled when they're down by 32 points. But on the other hand, I mean, you know, like Troy, you can't say that like, this isn't making basketball games more interesting. I mean, like you're like, we're talking about a game more interesting. (laughs) Like we're talking about a game that was literally in garbage time. Yeah. 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 So special stuff. I, there's never been a year where we've done that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. So yeah, I, especially, you know, like I, I found it especially ironic that of all people that it happened to Andre Drummond, it was like only, only to Dre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you hear, uh, speaking of the Bulls, did you hear that they're finally going to start listening to, uh, looks like pretty soon they're going to start finally listening to those Zach Levine offers. Sounds like there are, you know, like, sounds yeah, like well, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that they were going to, so, but now they finally off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And on top of that, they, um, you know, it, on top of that, you know, there's there's rumors coming around that the Lakers would apparently be more interested in DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso than they would be in a Zach Levine, which makes a lot of sense. But I mean, ultimately, Troy, like in, in, in my in my estimation, you could package those players wherever you want, whatever fashion you can. It just needs to happen yesterday for this Bulls franchise. Yeah. They already they already had two or three players only meetings. <laughs> to start this season like because right, they're trying to contend yeah they like they would tell you like they would tell you their rationale for bringing this team back after last year was we were one quarter away from getting you know from from getting in from the play-in and the team that we were facing they got to the finals but troy do you think there's a world where that bulls team gets in instead of the heat right. and they're actually they're the ones go the that finals. goes to the finals <laughs> Yeah, no. And and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, and like no. the problem, I mean, it's not a problem because I love the competitiveness, but when when you are dealing with the best players in the world, there has to be a that uh, untouchable competitive nature. But sometimes mm-hmm. that competitive nature makes you say and do things that us fans like PR pants laughing about, like that yep. we can compete for a championship for the Chicago Bulls. Um but when you're that, when you're truly one of the top 400 players in the world, um, I guess you kind of do have the right to say that because you're the top 400 players in the world. But it's still foolish. It's the competitive side that you're that's talking, not the rational side. <laughs> right, right, 100. percent Man, Troy, that there's just been like th- this season is already you know like it's 
Uh, it, it, it's it's tough to say when your team's lost like 15 games straight. But as like from for, from the league as a whole, the quality of basketball, and it feels like we're saying this every year. It just feels like it's only getting better. It yeah. feels like because it's only it, going. We say up. that every year because every year it gets better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're at we're at a, like we're at a point legitimately where it's like you know, like we talk about like could the league expand? We're getting to a point where the league needs to expand. Dude, there's. Get, Seattle, give Seattle a team again. Um, Seattle, the the Seattle SuperSonics will be back by the end of this decade. It just has to. Give um the two teams that that reportedly are are the are are the the teams in running for an extension. Which I mean, if, like for expansion, I mean it makes sense. Are Seattle and Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and I mean, listen, especially you look at you know how wildly successful the Golden Knights have been. You look at the athletics um, in baseball, they're moving to Vegas. The Raiders, you know, like they're in Vegas. So now all four teams are going to be, you know, in Vegas from five years ago. We we just got our first team, you know, which is crazy. But I mean, you know, like I think, I think Troy, I think Vegas, I think Vegas could potentially be a great NBA city. And we yeah. already know Seattle's an awesome NBA city. Right. And this, the summer league being there helps. This in-season tournament here helps. I think it's kind of the writing on the wall right there. What's very interesting about bringing a Seattle and a Vegas, though, is those are two Western teams. Does mm-hmm. that mean you have to bring like a Minnesota to yep. the East? Yep. Okay. So you probably – so where the where the conversation probably turns to is, you know, like where does the shift happen? And, I mean, like you said, one of those West teams would have to move to the East – not only do I think could it potentially be Minnesota, I think Memphis is another team that could potentially yeah. be in those conversations. Like, who knows? You know, like the, you know, like it's is Oklahoma decently out east? I don't. Uh, I'm gonna level with Detroit. Geography was not my strong suit. Yeah, no, it's more west, but it's you could you could still make an argument. The, I talk it, about. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you could make an argument, but it, it wouldn't be a good one. It's a west team. <laughs> but but Memphis is a good east argument. Yeah. And yeah, Tennessee. Minnesota, on the other Tennessee. hand, I know that's East. Yeah, yeah. So the, East. Yeah. I thought you said West. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of From Half Court. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I, I I did that joke probably to end the pod. Unless you, I know, no, I know, I know, I know. I'm just giving <laughs> you a hard time, Troy. This is always fun, man. Thanks so much yeah. for making the time. Thanks so much yeah. for being here. And people listening at home. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of From Half Court. If you like this podcast, be sure you like this video down below. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that mother notification bell so you don't miss when another video comes from the channel. But also, be sure you're following us on social media so you don't miss what we're up to. You can follow my boy Troy on, on X at TroySergi44. You can follow myself at Sean Half Court. And be sure you go check out the Morning Woodward Show and support our boy Jeff Iafredi as well. Once the Lions season wraps up a little bit, we will definitely be getting him back on the pod on a much more regular basis. But, folks, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time from Half Court. Be sure you're subscribed.